1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to today's Lundeen Mining Fourth Quarter Results. All participants at this time are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Marie Inkster, President and CEO. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Operator, and thank you everyone for joining Lundy Mining's fourth quarter and full year 2020 results call. I would like to draw your attention to the cautionary statements on slide two as we will be making several forward-looking statements throughout the course of this presentation. On the call to assist me with the presentation and answering questions are Jinhee McGee, our Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Peter Richardson, our Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. On slide four, I want to take some time to touch on several of London Mining's achievements in 2020 as they place us in an excellent position to perform well in 2021 and the years ahead. While responding to COVID-19 required that we adjust some of our plans earlier in the year, We had our share of challenges in the fourth quarter. We acted quickly and decisively to overcome these. The loss of our colleague at Navish Corvo in the third quarter remains top of mind within our organization. A fatality is a rare event within London mining because of the dedication and focus of our workforce when it comes to safety. In 2020, we achieved the best ever safety performance as measured by the total injury frequency rate and several other indicators. This achievement is particularly notable in a year filled with the distraction, both personally and professionally, of a global pandemic. We achieved our most recent production guidance for all metals with cash costs in line or better than our guidance, including notably low first quartile cash costs at Chapada and Eagle. This led to the generation of nearly 860 million of adjusted EBITDA in a volatile metal price environment over the course of the year. We were able to complete our Candelaria mill optimization project in the fourth quarter and make progress on growth initiatives. We were achieving excellent progress advancing the zinc expansion project at Nevesh Corvo prior to our proactive decision to temporarily suspend the project to protect the operation and the local communities from the onset of COVID-19. Minor works continued throughout the year and the project officially restarted in January of this year. At Chapada, following a brief suspension of the exploration program in March, we were able to ramp back up quickly and safely and completed nearly 42,000 meters of drilling that will help inform our expansion studies. And at Candelaria, we progressed our internal studies evaluating medium-term opportunities to expand the underground mines. Lastly, we remain focused on value creation through disciplined allocation of our shareholders' capital. In late November, we announced an anticipated 50% increase to our regular dividend. This increase to an annualized $0.24 cents per share was approved by the board yesterday. We continue to pursue actionable M&A while remaining disciplined to our strategy and our criteria. In short, we are very well positioned to deliver on our strategy and drive shareholder returns. With that, I will turn the call over to Jin Hee to highlight the full year 2020 financial results. Jin he. Thank you, Marie. Looking at a summary of
0: our results on slide 5, our operations in aggregate produced nearly 420,000 tons of base metals in 2020, including over 96,000 tons in the fourth quarter. In addition, we produced 163,000 ounces of gold in 2020, an increase of 15% year-over-year, with the full year's contribution from Chapada. For the year, we sold over 380,000 tons of payable-based metals and generated revenue of over $2 billion. Fourth quarter revenue totaled $530 million, including positive price adjustments for prior period sales. Prior period price adjustments had a negative $50 million impact on revenue, or $0.08 per share for the year. However, with strengthening metal prices, the fourth quarter impact was a positive $48 million, or $0.06.5 per share. A detailed breakdown is available in our MD&A. Consistent with the prior year, 65% of our revenue was generated from copper sales in 2020. Gold contributed 12% to revenue, up from 9% in the prior year, with the full-year contribution from Chapada and the increase in the gold price. Zinc, nickel, and lead contributed a combined 19% to total revenue in 2020, down from 23% the prior year, largely a dilution effect with the first full year of copper and gold sales from Chapada. We remain predominantly leveraged to copper and well diversified geographically. Slide six presents a summary of the full year financial results. I will also touch on our fourth quarter results. 2020 revenue was 8% greater than last year, mainly attributable to the first full-year contribution of the Chapada mine following acquisition, as well as higher realized copper and gold prices. Gross profit was 13% higher, reflecting the Chapada acquisition and offset by higher depreciation. Attributable net earnings from operations were $0.23 per share for the year, in line with the prior year, and $0.16 per share for the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter earnings were higher than the comparable period in 2019, primarily due to higher realized metal prices, partially offset by lower copper sales volumes. Adjusted earnings were $0.31 per share for the year and $0.15 per share for the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter adjustments include $5 million of costs associated with the labor action at Candelaria and nearly $4 million for project standby and suspension costs. Details of the adjustments are broken down in our MD&A issued last night. We generated adjusted EBITDA of $857 million in 2020, a 21% increase over 2019, including $235 million generated in the fourth quarter. 2020 cash flow from operations were $566 million, in line with that of 2019. When adjusting for non-cash working capital changes, operating cash flow was $645 million, or $0.88 per share, 17% greater than last year. Fourth quarter capital expenditures on a cash basis were $100 million, bringing the total spend for 2020 to $431 million, marginally lower than the most recent guidance of $445 million. We ended the year with $141 million in cash and equivalents and net debt of $63 million. As of February 18th, these numbers had further improved to $165 million in cash equivalents and $50 million of net debt. Lastly, our board of directors declared regular quarterly dividends of $0.04 Canadian per share, totaling $0.16 Canadian per share in 2020. And yesterday, our board approved an increase in the next quarterly dividend to $0.06 Canadian per share or $0.24 Canadian per share on an annualized basis. An increase of 50%. I will now turn the call back to Marie to discuss our operations and projects.
2: Thank you, Jinhee. Moving to Candelaria on slide 7. In December, after reaching new collective agreements with all unions representing employees, the operation safely ramped back up to full production and exceeded our most recent guidance, producing nearly 127,000 tons of copper and 76,000 ounces of gold, at cash costs of 145 per pound of copper for the year. The fourth quarter cash costs includes the expense of approximately 13 million associated with the new collective agreements, though it excludes 5 million of costs directly associated with the labor action. This is detailed in the MD&A. The Candelaria mill optimization project is now complete with the, fi- the installation of the final Balmo motor completed in December. Full-year capital expenditure of $216 million is modestly below guidance of $225 million. 2021 capital expenditures are forecast to total $345 million, including $160 million on waste stripping. Candelaria is positioned to deliver 40% production growth this year on improving copperhead grades and achievement of planned processing rates. Our 2021 guidance reflects our expectation that copperhead grades will be similar to those in the second half of 2020 as we start the year, and increase as mining progresses to lower higher grade benches in the open pit. 2021 copper C1 cash costs are expected to decline to 135 per pound on this increased production. Moving to Chapada on slide eight, The Chapada team responded quickly to the motor mill damage event late in the third quarter with effective action plans to minimize the production impact. Two spare motors were installed on the sag mill in early October and enabled resumption of milling at approximately 35% of the nameplate capacity. Throughput was further improved with the installation of a motor loaned from Samarco on the ball mill in mid-November. And a return to full processing capacity was achieved in late December with two repaired motors received at site and installed. The remaining two motors that were were successfully repaired and are being maintained as spares. The operation exceeded our most recent guidance, producing over 50,000 tons of copper and 87,000 ounces of gold for the year. In fact, the 50,000 tons of copper produced was within a thousand tons of the original guidance provided for the year in December of 2019 with our operations outlook at that time. Topado was also able to achieve better results on cash costs than our guidance. In the fourth quarter, the mine achieved an impressive negative 18 cents per pound of copper, despite the constrained mill throughput, and for the year achieved a first quartile 29 cents per pound. This positions the operation as one of the lowest cost open pick copper mines in South America. Crusher and conveyor maintenance was undertaken during the fourth quarter and excess mining capacity was focused on waste removal activities. Full-year capital expenditure of $39 million is directly in line with guidance. The mine and mill continue to operate as expected, and they are well positioned to achieve our 2021 guidance of 48,000 to 53,000 tons of copper and 75 to 80,000 ounces of gold. 2021 capital expenditure guidance is $65 million. Worth noting, we do not expect a significant year-over-year change in the underlying operating costs on a per ton basis uh, our $1.10 per pound of copper cash cost guidance assumes a gold price of $1,700 per ounce and a U.S. dollar to Brazilian real exchange rate of $4.75, amongst other various assumptions. Topado's exploration program had a strong second half to the year, drilling a greater-than-planned 42,000 meters. The primary focus remained on near-mine targets to better understand the mineral resource potential and inform our expansion studies. Study work progressed during the year and is being advanced in parallel with the exploration efforts. The 2021 campaign of 60,000 meters of drilling is underway. There are currently four exploration rigs on site at the moment with plans for six for the majority of the year. Moving to Nevis on slide nine, the operation produced over 32,000 tons of copper and over 69,000 tons of zinc. Copper production achieved most recent guidance, and zinc was with within 1,000 tons. The full-year cash cost of $2.09 per pound of copper was in line with guidance of 210 dollars In the fourth quarter, while the zinc plant achieved greater-than-planned throughput, zinc metal production was impacted primarily by below-planned ore grades. The, the mine is continuing to focus on several action plans to improve productivity of horizontal and vertical development in order to optimize the blend to the mills. 2020 full-year capital expenditures of $128 million, including expenditures on the zinc expansion project, were modestly greater than the guidance of $120 million as additional mobile mine equipment was purchased in the fourth quarter. Fourth-quarter ZEP preparation work included progress on the vent raises, activities on the sag mill, including commissioning with waste, and work on surface conveying systems. The project was officially restarted in January of this year. Progress towards completion will continue to be dependent on the future effects of COVID-19 with government public health requirements and internal measures taken to protect our employees and contractors. We have mobilized a smaller number of contractors on an extended schedule, given the current safety requirements for social distancing and other personnel limitations. Consistent with our previous guidance and timeline, Construction is to be completed in stages over the course of 2021, with production ramp-up planned to commence later in Q421, following final commissioning of the Underground Materials Handling Systems. The 2021 capital expenditure guidance of $70 million on the project is unchanged. Approximately $30 million will be spent in early 2022, primarily reflecting a timing of payments. 2021 total capital expenditure guidance for Nebuchadnezzar Corvo is $135 million, including this up expansionary expenditure. On slide 10, Zinc Groven finished 2020 on a strong note. In its 164th year of continuous production, the operation set several records, including ore hoisted, total material hoisted, and mill throughput, all while achieving its lowest ever recordable and all injury frequency rates. Sink and copper production both achieved annual production guidance, with zinc approaching the upper bound of the guidance range. Zinc production finished strong, with a grade-driven significant increase in production during the fourth quarter. The guidance for 2021 is 71,000 to 76,000 tons, at a cash cost of $0.65 cents per pound of zinc. The full-year capital expenditures of $37 million for 2020 were modestly less than guidance of $45 million. Sustaining capital expenditure for 2021 is estimated to total 50 million. Around half of this is for underground development with the remaining amounts, including production improvement initiatives, underground control systems, and infill drilling. Exploration efforts continue on existing ore bodies, as well as targeting Dalby and Bortabakum deposits, which remain high priorities. Nearly 18,000 meters of exploration drilling was completed in 2020, and we have an active program planned for 2021 with 27,000 meters of drilling planned as part of a $6 million program. Lastly, on slide 11, Eagle performed extremely well again in 2020. The Eagle team's record for consecutive days without a recordable injury continued into the fourth quarter, passing one year and achieving 412 days. As mining progressed into the higher grade regions of the Eagle ore body, Nickel production increased nearly 25% and copper over 30% compared to 2019. Full year production guidance was achieved with average grade and recoveries of both metals improving year on year. On the strong operational performance and increasing metal prices, Eagle's already first quarter cash cost improved further, achieving an average of 10 cents per pound of nickel for the year and an impressive 89 cents negative in the fourth quarter. With minimal capital expenditures of just over $11 million, Eagle generated nearly $140 million of free cash flow for the year, including nearly $60 million in the fourth quarter. Eagle remains well-positioned to generate significant free cash flow in the coming years. 2021 nickel production guidance is 15,000 to 18,000 tons of, and copper production guidance of 17,000 to 20,000 tons underlying costs are very stable here and our 50 cents per pound of nickel cash cost guidance assumes a conservative byproduct copper price of 295 per pound amongst other assumptions 2021 capital expenditures are estimated to total 15 million slide 12 provides a summary of current guidance as discussed in the operational sections this production guidance along with our capital expenditure guidance of 610 million, is unchanged from when originally provided in late November. Also, as previously outlined, exploration expenditures are expected to be 40 million in 2021 with over 140,000 meters planned. As we are all well aware, the global effects of COVID-19 are continuing to evolve. While we continue to proactively manage under our readiness and response plans, our guidance does not reflect the potential for significant disruption to operations due to COVID-19. Turning to slide 13, we have an excellent growing production profile from our current assets. We're guiding for copper production to increase roughly 25% this year, and a total of 30% by next year compared to 2020, primarily on increasing grades at Candelaria and full year uninterrupted contributions from both Candelaria and Chapada. Zinc production is forecast to modestly increase in 2021, and as the zinc expansion project is completed and fully ramped up, is set to increase 65% in 2023 compared to 2020 and be roughly 230,000 tons per annum. Gold production is forecast to be 175,000 ounces at the midpoint of guidance for this year, an increase of 7% over 2020. Of this, nearly 110,000 ounces are unencumbered and receive full market pricing. In conclusion, I would like to reiterate that the investments we have made over the past several years have positioned lending mining well to benefit from the current commodity price environment with multiple years of production growth, decreasing cash costs, and free cash flow generation ahead. And with that operator, I would like to open the lines for questions.
1: Okay, thank you. If anybody would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from Arest Wokada from Scotiabank. Your line is open.
3: Hi, good morning. I was wondering if I could ask a couple questions about Candelaria specifically. Marie, did I hear you correctly that you said the grade profile there in the first half of 21 will be similar to the back half of of 20? Um, Was that correct? Uh, not,
2: Not exactly the first half, Oris, but we'll start the year in those levels. Uh, we expect so, it to improve as we go throughout the year.
3: Okay, so you're going to start out around the kind of 0.55 level. What Can you give us some insight in terms of what should we assume for the average grade for the year if it's going to start out that low?
2: Um, well, I mean, you can probably back into it from the guidance, but um, when you look at last year, we were directly in line with our technical report issued in 2018 when you look at the grades. Um, so th- there shouldn't be any great surprises. We know that it gets better as we get deeper in the pit, and um, so we'll have an improving profile. Um, Peter, I don't know if you want to comment on that. We don't typically guide on grade, but just some general some general guidance there.
4: No, it, it, but it's, as you said, we know that Phase 10 uh, improves uh, in, uh, with depth, and we're getting deeper and deeper uh, down in Phase 10. So... Okay. And that's that's all according to the technical report from two thousand
3: eighteen. Okay. Now that you've completed the mill the mill optimization, can you give us a sense of what kind of throughput levels are you achieving, and has the ore hardness issue gone away?
2: Um, sure, Peter. Did you want to take that one?
4: Yeah. So so first of all, and you know, I'll up the the mill optimization project. Uh, the aim there was to increase throughput by four thousand tons uh, a day. And also improve metal recovery copper by one point seven percent that was that was the goal of the the, the target. We are seeing better uh, throughput uh, as we also uh, get l- lower down on phase ten, as we've said previously the The lower we get down on phase ten, the softer the ore is uh, We know that um, the the ultimate throughput rate also depends on the ore blend at the time, uh, and at the same time we're feeding uh, more and more uh, or from the underground, which is harder. So it's it's going to be a combination of, of the blend, um, but uh, we're seeing better throughputs as, as we get deeper down in phase 10. We also see we have more power now in the secondary mills. Are you getting close to that kind of 80,000 tons a day level? Is that kind of what we should be thinking about? Well, we don't disclose uh, the, the info in this, this quarter, but but throughputs are improving.
3: Okay, but is that ultimately where you're going, or where Candelaria is going, with the improvements, 80,000 tons a day? Yeah, yeah I think absolutely.
2: you know we've been there, we've been there Orist, uh, yeah. um, at those levels, and so, you know, we just finished with the last installation of the Balmo motor, we're working on new liners, so we'll probably have a couple of months where we work out the kinks and the new, um, with everything in place. Um, But, yeah, I'd say that we're looking at that as as a typical level that we would aim to achieve on a consistent basis.
3: Thank you very much.
2: And your next
1: question will come from Jackie Przpowski from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Uh, Thanks
5: very much. Uh, Just a couple of other project update questions maybe. Um, First of all, on uh, the ZEP. Uh, can you maybe talk a little bit about remobilizing the contractors there? I know uh, that I mean, you mentioned it in the, in the early part of the call. It was a difficult um, to keep the contractors on site due to COVID. Uh, how, how's that situation in in Portugal right now? And is remobilization um, going well, or is that at all a risk uh, as you ramp that project back up?
2: Yeah, we don't see it as a risk. We had built into our timeline that we would be, Mobilizing with less people on site, smaller numbers, and an extended schedule. So that's built into our base case. Um, Peter, do you want to talk about the, the project and what we've been doing and the removal?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Uh, so we have been uh, removing people uh, both underground and on the surface. Uh, at the moment, we're, we're working with piping and mechanical. Um, Work underground, also splicing of, of belts, and then on the surface is the piping and mechanical work, and some work in the in the grinding section. Um, as Marie said, uh, we have built that in in our in our time schedule. Uh, we are also working on the strict COVID uh, rules and restrictions and procedures. So we test everyone that comes back. Put a people that are outside of the, the area into quarantines, you know, practice before they come on site. So. We're, we're making sure that everyone that is on site is, is fit for duty and then uh, does not have any COVID symptoms or infections.
5: That's great, thanks. Um, and, and then maybe shifting gears just to Shapada. Uh, it's hard to tell from, from the release that came out yesterday, but um, I mean, it sounds like you're still kind of reviewing the options in terms of the size and scope of a potential Shapada expansion. Uh, are you able to give us maybe a bit of? Updated color in terms of where you're at on the drill program and on the studies, and when we may expect to see um, a result or at least to see sort of the, the study results and maybe the options you're looking at. Is, is there any color on, on the timeline at this point to, to getting that uh, completed? Yeah. So for the
2: the study and any release to the to the market as to where we're going with the studies, that's going to take a while. Jackie, um, you know we're looking at a mid mid year internal review with our board of the various scenarios, and we do continue to study the scenarios. Um, you know, at everything from the modest expansion work um, up to a doubling. So there's three primary scenarios that we're looking at. But as you mentioned, the exploration program will really feed into that and it's been going very well. Um, we did curtail the program early in the year in 2020 but we ramped up quite quickly and were able to complete more than the 40,000 meters that we had originally uh, targeted and then another 60,000 meters this year is what's in the plan so and we we don't think we'll have any issue meeting that target and that will be important to inform the studies as well. So I I would say that the next update that we would provide would be on you know an exploration update uh probably mid-year if we can um, have a reasonable update at that time Um, and we're working on some different land acquisitions and other things Uh, we hope to have those wrapped up within the first two quarters so that we can provide an update uh, in mid-year and then um, probably the studies will be a a bit longer um, before we come to ground on which uh which avenue might be appropriate for this the expansion scenario
5: is is this um the, the schedule seems like it's it's a little different from what you had um first thought when you acquired the property is is it because of covid and and the, the delays that that you experienced in drilling related to covid is it a is it a an issue that the um Opportunities are just uh, maybe there's more opportunities than you expected, and you're and you're um you you just want to sort of investigate all of them or or what what exactly is is the cause of of this um, ex- exploration kind of uh, taking longer than you initially thought?
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity, and it's really, if you're talking about building a new plant or moving significant infrastructure, you want to make sure that you have the drilling done to support where you're going to put those things, where the future center of gravity is going to be. Um, make sure you're not repeating the, what what's happened already, which is infrastructure on an ore body. So, you know, there's um, a lot of information coming from the drilling programs, and um, a lot of good work ongoing on the various scenarios. So, you know, we don't want to, it to take forever, but we do want to make sure that we have, um, you know, the best information that we can before we go forward with a major investment.
5: Sounds great. I'm going to hop back in the queue, but I'll, I'll uh, let somebody else jump on. But congrats on a great quarter. Thanks. Thanks, Jackie.
1: And your next question comes from I- Ionis Masvulis from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open.
6: Hello, uh, good morning and uh, thanks for the presentation. And three questions from, from my side. The, the first one on uh, Shabada again, just a follow up to Jackie's uh, question. Um, uh, should we be thinking about a um, full update on the um, expansion option in early 2022 20, now instead of um, back end of this year? Um, then the, the second question around Neves Corvo. We seem to be putting a lot of effort on uh, optimizing the ore mix and and improving the development rates, but um, is that going to benefit uh, Q1 production or shall we expect uh, a slow uh, start to the year for for Nevesh? And and the third question for me is just on uh, capital allocation. Um, We're seeing the step up in production rates this year in strong metal prices, suggesting a a nice step up in in, um, in free cash flow, but at the same time, dividend yield is is below 2%. So I'm just trying to to figure out in terms of uh, timing on any additional cash returns, would you wait until um, ZDB is fully de-risked before making any decision around that, or uh, would you have confidence if the current, commodity price environment process to um, increase the dividend without necessarily waiting for uh, Q4 once you know is fully uh, commissioned thank you
2: okay sure um so we got three there that I'll go back to the first question on the timing um and follow up to Jackie's question which was around the timing of chapata and you know we'll we'll obviously want to bring that forward as fast as we can um you know we would like to have something in the back end of the year but uh, i don't want to make any promises that we can't keep if we're not ready then so you know um we'll we'll bring the information as soon as it's realistically available and reliable to the market Um, but uh, yeah it could be it could be early next year, it could be end of this year. You know, we're we're working on that and we'll try to expedite that as um as as well as we can. Um on Navish Corvo for the or mix, the the Q1 production, um, I would say, you know, rely on the guidance. Um, um you know, we did have a backlog of development activities, but um we are improving there. Peter, I don't know if you want to comment on the ore mix and the availability of stopes is the uh, key for the, for the production there.
4: No, I, not more than you said. I think it's really good that you said, you know rely on Q1 um, production forecast. Uh, we're continuously working on improving mine productivity and primarily focus on, on, on as you said previously, horizontal and ver- vertical drift uh, drilling development uh, to be able to build inventory so we can optimize both production and then the mix. So.
2: Yep. Thanks, Peter. And then on the third question of capital allocation and the um, the free cash flow, yes, we're quite uh, happy and excited to see that we're in a great metal price environment and, and have been investing over the last couple of years. So we're positioned well to take advantage of that. We did increase the dividend by, Uh, Fifty percent, just recently. So, you know, twenty-four cents per share per annum is the current rate, and we've, um, you know, committed to our board to come back mid-year with a review of where we are. Uh, So, we'll have an update on that uh, mid-year, and we're not going to wait until uh, Zep is finished or anything else. We'll we'll have a look at that mid-year.
6: That's great. Thanks. Uh, Thanks so much.
1: And your next question will come from Jack O'Brien from Goldman Sachs. Your line is open.
7: Hi, uh, good morning, Marie. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for the presentation. Um, I just want to clarify firstly on uh, the unit cost guidance you've given. I think you mentioned for Chipada that the uh, that the, there's no significant sort of change in operating costs year on year, 21 on 20. It's mainly a function of 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 some of your assumptions. Um I noticed there's also increases at at Neves Corvo and groven and an Eagle albeit lower. Is can you just confirm for those three mining areas as well? It's it's really just a function of assumptions or are there any sort of underlying considerations we we should also factor that's that's my first question.
2: Yeah, it's a combination of um the the output and um and the unit costs on a cost per ton milled in each of those places is very stable. So we don't expect any step change in costs. Um, our budget assumptions are in the table where we put our cash costs, so they're very small. So um, you need a magnifying glass to see them, but um, we do use, say for example, uh, 475 uh, real with our assumption for our 2021 budget. Um, and we know that that is in our favor, um, as well as the copper price, which we budgeted at $295. So that's just an example. Um, the Euro US at $1.20 um, and the um, Swedish crown at 850. dollars So depending on where that goes, it will affect the cost profile because the costs are in those local currencies. Uh, But underlying costs, there's nothing uh, fundamental that's changing in the business um, that would affect those costs.
7: Got it. Thank you. Um, And and just a couple of um, small follow-ups. Are there any, can you you remind us just if there's any other sort of union negotiations due in 2021 across your portfolio?
2: Um, Typically with Brazil, it's an annual negotiation and they pass, quite uh calmly and without an event um our chilean mines which are the ones of course that people will be most concerned about and typically is a more um prolonged and and difficult process of negotiation we don't have any expiring contracts until 2023 Uh, we just um agreed a new contract in portugal peter i'm not sure of the duration of that i know there's an annual salary adjustment but um I think the union agreement itself hasn't changed in many, many years.
4: Yep, yeah, that's correct.
2: Yeah, and then uh, and we'll in Sweden, annual.
4: Yep, we we'll just closed the ones in Sweden as well.
2: Yes. Yep, yeah. and uh, Eagle Mine is not unionized.
7: Okay, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you very much. Um, and and then just the final one. Um, obviously, you've touched quite a lot on on some of your exploration and sort of internal um expansion opportunities first was just wondering and actually i noticed your guided exploration spend has is, is actually sort of down fairly meaningfully um for 21 on 20. so just interesting thoughts there and then i guess that the follow-up you know given that there is so much um in sort of your existing footprint um or or near it uh Should we assume that kind of internal opportunities are your first priority over M&A? I
2: I would say that they're not mutually exclusive. And if we found a good project, we would definitely take advantage of that and and invest and drill. And we continue to look for uh, properties that we can um, develop and drill. And we have a, a team in Toronto and in South America looking at opportunities on the uh, early stage exploration side. So, um, you know, we, we don't have any, um, you know, we, we have a lot of opportunity around our sites, which is why you see the big budget around our sites and it's very prospective, um, but I wouldn't take that as an indication that we don't have interest in other opportunities. I, I'd say the opposite, that we would like to have additional opportunities, but we do have very good opportunities in and around our sites. I think um, one of the big differences is the zinc the zinc program is a lot uh, less in terms of spending this year, but that's because we've um, moved a lot of the drilling from surface to underground. So even though we still uh, have a lot of meters planned, um, I think it's twenty seven thousand meters. Peter, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we still have a lot of meters planned, but they're they're drilling from underground um, underground base. So. It's a lot cheaper than the surface drilling, um, so that brings the budget down quite a bit. So, but no, we have um, okay. you know a lot of prospectivity, a lot ongoing, and we'll continue to be active on the exploration front.
7: Great, thank you, Marie.
1: And your next question will come from Daniel Major from UBS. Your line is open.
8: Hi, and uh, thanks for the presentation. Um, couple of questions and slightly follow-up questions but um, I'll ask them anyway. Um, on the sort of cash returns and, and the balance sheet, um, if we look at the cash generation this year and certainly if the super cyclists out there are right, um, you know there's going to be a large net cash position at the end of the year. Um, can you give a, a preference at this stage um, special dividends or or buybacks and do you intend to be exercising anything on the NCIB at this point uh, and at this share price level? Uh, first question.
2: Yeah so I would say that given where we are in the cycle and we're high above our long-term pricing and um, you know we're not at our all-time high for our stock price but uh, we have a very good healthy stock price it's probably less likely that we would Uh, undertake a buyback at this point in the cycle um and more likely to give returns in other ways
8: okay very clear thanks um and then second question um i mean from what it sounds like on your uh comments around the Chipada expansion um you know we're not like to hear much till the end of the year or early next year Is it fair to assume then that it's unlikely that you would be able to deploy meaningful amounts of capital into that project until 2023? If that is the case, should we be assuming um, capex somewhere around a 450, 460 million mark in
2: 2022? Um, I'm not sure what our. uh, You'd probably be able to get the number from our technical reports because they're pretty fresh. I, I would say you're probably in in and around the right ballpark. I mean, we go between, call it, you know, 500 million and, you know, 375, depending on where we are with push, pushbacks in the various pits. Um, so there, there is a bit of a range there. Um, I would say averaging, uh, you know, 400 plus or minus 100, depending on what we're doing. And where we are um but uh, i i wouldn't say your number is off off base i would uh without having okay. all of the information right in front of me for for that year i wouldn't say that you're like, materially off base and
8: and just is it is it correct to assume it's unlikely that there's a huge amount of upside risk from that um driven by chipada.
2: Um, no, and I would say that if we are going to invest in a project, it would be one with a good return. So where you have cash flow um, um, reducing in the near term, you should have a, a NAP bump in the long term. Uh, I think twenty. I'm just trying to remember from um, from the budget. Jinhee, 2022 uh, capex uh, similar levels, but slightly lower than 21, I think, and then a little bit of a drop off 23, 24. Do you recall?
0: Uh, yes, that is correct, Marie.
8: Great, thanks.
1: And your next question will come from Abi Agarwal from Deutsche Bank. Your line is open.
4: Uh, morning, all. Uh, congrats on a strong set of results amid such a challenging year. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. I have uh, two questions, please. So the first one is on the balance sheet. Uh, When you think about balance sheet, is there a net cash level you think about in case you have to execute on a transaction? And my second question is uh, a generic question on inflationary pressures. A lot of your peers who have reported have highlighted inflationary pressures coming through. Are you also seeing that come through your operations? Thank you.
2: Um, sure, I'm going to ask Jinhee to feel that because I know that she's been working with the sites on our minimum cash balances and also has been um, monitoring the uh, inflation and other cost pressures. So, Jinhee, do you want to take those two? Jinhee, you may be on mute.
0: Uh, I was on mute, sorry. Um, sorry, I didn't catch all of the first question. Can you just repeat the first question? Uh,
2: was yeah, on sure. The,
0: uh,
2: oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh,
4: so my question <laughs> was, when you think about the balance sheet, is there a net cash level you think about in case you have to execute on a transaction?
0: Um, yeah, sorry. Um, you no, know, we, when we think about executing on a transaction, um, we, you know, we look to... Um, You know, we we can always uh, borrow uh, to to execute on transactions. So we don't manage our net cash for purpose of transacting. Um, So, you know, we look at shareholder returns uh, from our operations, and then we can look at um, uh, borrowing if needed to to, uh, act on transactions. Um, And then I think your second question was on the inflation and Mm -hmm you know, overall, we're not actually seeing any significant uh, general cost inflation at our operations at this time. Um, you know, where we are seeing some inflation is or expecting some would be in some specific uh, consumables. Uh, like, for example, in the grinding media, we are expecting some uh, increase there because of the, uh, the current steel prices. And again, another one like uh, diesel, again, is another area where, you know, the price will be impacted by broader markets. But generally, um, I would say our operations are not seeing significant general uh, inflation. And I think, you know, when we look at some of our maintenance service contracts, some of those, um, many of our operations have long-term service contracts. So again, not seeing a short-term inflation impact. Um, On a country-by-country basis, I think Brazil is one that's, um, experienced a little higher inflation in, in the recent year and I think there though at Chipata, what we have going for us is that the exchange rate there is uh, quite favorable and so it's offsetting any of the um, inflation that, uh, that we might see. So again, I guess overall really not expecting, um, you know, we're experiencing costs in line with our expectations and more of an impact I would say on our lead times than prices at this point.
3: Got it. Thank you.
0: And your next question will come
1: from Ionas Maspoulis from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open.
6: Okay. Um, I have a couple of follow-ups, if that's okay. Uh, the first one, Shabada, in terms of the expansion, my understanding was that if you were to go down the path of a significant expansion, let's say in the order of 50 or or 100% of the existing uh, throughput rate, that would require um, expense permitting process that could take a bit of time. Could you just remind us how long could that to, um, you know, first production, if you were to announce um, a plan, let's say, 1st of January 2022, how long would it take to actually get the approval and and, and, um, hypothetical construction uh, timeline? and then, secondly, in terms of uh, working capital, I was just wondering because you, you have had the disruptions around Candelaria and Chapada in Q4. Uh, is there any excess inventory um, that you may have to work through, or do you feel that uh, overall inventory balances and working capital in general is at um, um, normal level uh, as of the end of May? The-
2: Yeah, sure. Um, On the uh, expansion permitting timelines, um, the permitting process in Brazil has changed recently. It used to be based on uh, throughput levels and tonnages and things, but now they've moved to a footprint-based type of scenario. Uh, Peter, I know you've been looking into this and uh, have been talking about the permitting timelines and potential timelines. Can you give a little more color on that?
4: Uh, well, it's a little bit early to say on, on the, the timelines for the, the project. It all depends on, on, on what alternative is, is chosen at the end of the day. Uh, permitting timelines, it uh, it's, they have been increasing, so it's also difficult to say. That it's going to also reflect uh, finally on, on what alternative is chosen. So I, I don't know if we can say much more now on that. Marie?
2: Yeah, I think if you look at... Um... You know, say a new EIA in Chile takes, it used to be 24 months, and now it's probably closer to 36 months. But yeah. um, it would probably be, you know, something less than that. And there's probably, it'd probably be less than half of that. But there there might be preparatory works that you could do in the meantime and uh, other things that you could do to advance the project while you're waiting for certain permits. So, again, um you know peter's correct it's it's difficult to say exactly um but we would anticipate that we we um you know could start early works and do different things within the existing footprint um, as we wait for um, any major permits that are required um on the working capital access inventory uh jinhee did you want to uh, address that one I, I don't i'm not aware of anything but you may be.
0: Yeah, sure. I'd say we have a little bit more in the inventory than we did at the end of the third quarter. Um, That's because we did have a a shipment uh, delayed uh, at Candelaria, but I would say it it is in line with what it was at the end of last year. So I wouldn't say it's it's excessively um, too much inventory at the end of the year, um, but it is a little bit higher than it was at Q3. Okay,
6: great. Thank you. Thanks again,
1: And your next question will come from John Tommazos From Your line is open.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, Could you review what your size uh, thresholds are for new projects in terms of mine life, total tons, copper equivalent, NPV, or IRR? Uh, there are are a few big porphyries available, but there's a lot of little projects dancing around?
2: Um, yeah, typically we wouldn't look at something under, say, a 50,000 ton copper equivalent unless we felt there was a prospect to get it above that. Um, and the reason for that is that, you know, an operation takes an equal amount of management time and effort if it's you know, 20,000 tons, uh, or if it's um, 200,000 tons, if it's if it's got um, challenges. So, you know, we don't want to be in the position where we have, you know, 15 mines and uh, 10 of them offer you 5% of your NAV. Um, you know, that's uh, that sounds like a, a big managerial and administrative nightmare uh, for not a lot of uh, return for your effort. So we'd rather focus on... Uh, things that are going to be meaningful, and if we're going to acquire something to to make sure that we're spending our efforts on things that are going to make a difference for the company. Um, and then in terms of mine life, I think Eagle was a very special one for us, and it remains very special in terms of, being uh, an exceptional ore body and you'll see from the free cash flows that it's an excellent operation. um, We wish that it had a longer mine life. And um, so typically with mine life, we're looking at things of a a greater than 15 year mine life um, and, and recognizing that, you know, we're, we're lucky with Eagle that we are, we were able to find Eagle East and that we're benefiting right now for, from some very good uh, pricing. And, but in this business, you know, we've been below our long-term copper price for almost the last 10 years. And um, so if you have a short mine life and you invest at a long-term pricing, you may not make your money back if you, if you don't have a, you know, if you can't ride at least one or two of the cycles, then you, 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 you risk not making your money back in this business. So, so we we do look at that from time to time, but we really have been sticking to our uh, criteria in terms of what we're looking for.
4: Does this mean only porphyries, and that uh, you can save time by just skipping VMS deposits?
2: Um, no, um, the the none of our last acquisitions were porphyries. Um, you know, uh, Chipaz is not. Uh, depending on who you ask. Um, um, Candelaria is an IOCG and uh, Eagle with a, a sulfide. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we won't look at those types of uh, ore bodies. I mean, we do have a very good underground expertise uh, within the company. We have, um, you know, that's one of our core skills. And so, you know, large block caves and, um, and at, at Candelaria, for example, we're doing 14,000 tons per day, which is... Um, one of the larger non block cave underground mining operations, so I think you know our our minds are open, and we'll look at um we'll look at various options for things.
5: Thank you
6: okay.
1: We have no further questions thank you. oh Great. wait a moment. <laughs> we have a jackie. Chris Colosley, John Tumas, are you finished taking your question? I'm
4: questions? finished. Thank you. Okay.
5: We can make. Oh, sorry. Is it, is it my turn? Okay. <laughs> sorry about that. I just popped on again at the last second. Um, I just wanted to circle back on your dividend. Um, I I realize that uh you know the announcement just came out today for the uh the six cents um dividend per quarter and, and I know and uh, you know, the day a dividend is announced is probably not the right time to ask about the next <laughs> dividend announcement. But um I'm just kind of curious if you could talk through sort of the um uh the expectations you're using when you set the dividend and, and I realize you've already gone through the commodity prices, but I'm thinking more in terms of like um you know how much how much uh uh spending um do you do you think that you would sort of be comfortable um with uh, I know you kind of talked about this already on uh, net cash but like what kind of net cash or net debt level would you be comfortable with going forward and and incorporating that you know into that so this ship had expansion or or any kind of new future projects can you give us just a little bit more color in terms of like where you might see the dividend from here uh, you mentioned earlier that um, you know you you might Prefer not to do a buyback at this point but maybe some other options so is there is there a possibility that you'd incorporate like a special into the into the mix at some point is can you just give us a little bit of color on on what your thinking is around all that
2: yeah so that's that's what we'll be discussing with the board mid-year and so we'd like to you know we've just come off a fairly rough quarter and and um we'd like to yeah. see you know, a good chunk of time with some uh, steady production and to see the continuation of the metal prices. We also know that the, the market's been heating up in terms of M&A. We want to look at the opportunity set and what options there are for investing in some accretive transactions. So we'll look at that in connection with our cash balances and the expectations going forward mid-year. Um, and and I'd, I'd say our general view is, you know, uh, you don't borrow to pay a dividend. You borrow to invest and you pay your dividends from cash flows. So that's the mentality that we would use when we look at the dividend. And uh, I think Jen, he, you know, talked about the net cash and we have no intention of hoarding cash on the balance sheet, um, you know, for, for a rainy day or anything like that. Um, that's not what we want to do. We want uh, you know, our, our assets, including cash, to give us returns. So we'll look at that mid-year. Got
5: it. Thanks very much, Marie.
2: Okay. Thank you, uh, everyone, for participating in the conference call and um, looking forward to reporting a, a good, strong Q1 result to you in April.
1: Thank you, everyone. This will conclude today's conference call. You may now just...
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
3: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.